0: We tailed Clark through Metropolis, and after all those saved orphans and dead monkeys, we started to think that we'd seen all he had to offer. He was a small scale, smash em up hero, a blue collar crime stopper despite having planet cracker powers. Then gyroplanes started shooting death rays overhead. The tone had shifted, and we were back on the case.
1: Hi, I'm Matthew. And I'm John. We're the DC Detectives. It's our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish.
0: (sighs) And that's the sound of us about to cover Superman for at least one more volume.
1: Also me running on post-moshing power. What did you decide that the episode was going to be called? Responsible Moshing. Um, I gotta address something really quickly. I went to a Drawkick Murphy's concert today. Um, And hardly strictly bluegrass if you're in the Bay Area, but that's a fantastically free music festival that you can see tons of really great uh, performers and artists there for free, and enjoy your time there. Unfortunately, it's free, so sometimes the crowd of people that you are with are not the people you would want to be with.
0: The important thing is there are people who don't
1: handle their high. Yeah, there's all. Yeah, there's there's. Yeah, that's the best way of putting it. And I've always I, loved that phrase. I don't yeah, remember where can, I got can, that from, but... Uh... But more to the point, I went to the Dropkick Murphys concert. Shannon and I were there together, and we were very close to the stage, which was awesome because there's no way I would have gotten that close for a, under $1,000 in any given ticketed situation. And I was really excited, and we were both like, yeah, all right, and the band was great. Like, I'm never... I'm not going to say anything against the Dropkick Murphys. They performed incredibly solid. They were interacted with the crowd. They were awesome. The problem was is that there was no moshing etiquette. So being me and this being my first punk concert, I forgot punk fans mosh, which wasn't a problem, really. I mean, it's there's nothing wrong with that. We just hadn't prepared for that eventuality. We're like, oh crap, this is the thing we're going to have to deal with. We just got to adjust our experience accordingly so that we don't Ruin the experience for other people who are doing something that is commonplace for a band of this genre. And also enjoy ourselves. Unfortunately, some of the people who were moshing were not aware of certain moshing etiquette. Which is, if a person is not engaging in the pit, you do not pull them in. Neither do you push people into those people. If you are moshing, you keep it in the pit. You don't take it out of the pit. If there are people that are falling, you take care of them and get, go, everybody goes back to business. But the problem was is that there were a lot of people who were too drunk or too high who were not able to control themselves effectively in a mosh pit, which is effectively controlled chaos, which is what you're supposed to be doing in a mosh pit. Like, a mosh pit is supposed to be a grand symphony of... Uh, Physical Would you in violence? fact
0: call it a symphony of destruction?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it's. Oh God, you didn't get the reference, did you? No, I didn't. Fuck. <laughs> you see that audio spike? Yeah. Did you, you see that audio spike? I do. Yeah.
0: That is my level of disdain for you right now. That's unfortunate because you still live with me.
1: <sighs> Megadeth. Mega death. Oh, Megadeth. That's mega ah, death. Yeah, mega death. Okay. Yeah. Da, da, da. Yeah. Ah. No, okay. No, 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 no. I know what you're talking about. <sighs> yeah. No, I know. I'm. A, I like. I like Maiden mm-hmm. more than Megadeth. Unfor- it's, it's, that's it's that's not unfortunate. That's actually quite no, it's, reasonable. It's a, it's a preference yeah. thing, but it's one of those things where I've heard a few Megadeth songs, mm-hmm. not a lot, but it's I'm aware of Megadeth. Um, so the thing was with these guys that some of them were in control enough to make a safe moshing experience. Because moshing, when contained and when everyone's aware of the situation, can be controlled violence that is not dangerous and not harmful to anyone who does not want to participate in it. When you un- when you uncontrollably mosh and you trample over some people, or you throw people down who don't want to be a part of it, or you forcibly pull people into the pit when they don't want to be a part of it, when their backs are to the pit and they're not paying attention to the pit, that is not okay. If you're going to mosh, mosh responsibly. There is a clear delineation between people who are part of this and who are not. If they want to be a part of it, they will join. Do not ask anyone to be a part of something they don't want to be a part of. I will say I will commend the people who were in the pit and who were also outside of the pit who tried to make the situation safe for people. There were some people who I, like, obviously didn't know because they were strangers who were Johnny on the spot pulling people up who fell. And that is the correct procedure when someone falls in a pit. Listeners, pull people up who fall down in a mosh pit. Don't pull people into a mosh pit who don't want to be a part of it. And take care of your own, but don't make a bad experience at a concert for the people who don't want to be a part of your thing. Consent rules apply to everything, as Matt said. And we're done. And now we move forward to Superman.
0: (laughs) Postscript. Two quick things that are worth noting. Mm -hmm. The first is, uh, Children of Bodom actually does an excellent version of I'm Chippin' Off to Boston.
1: Oh, nice. It's fucking... Awesome. Good. I want to to hear that then. That was actually so good that that counts as two things. Yeah, okay. No, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Drop Hit Murphy's good band. Listen to them. Woo! 20 years old. Really? They're a 20-year-old band. No, that doesn't surprise me. It's a good band. And they played hard. For for guys who've been doing this for 20 years, like, major props Mm -hmm. to them. They're not young men. Like, good for them. Like, holy crap. Good concert. Man. Boy bands aside. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Is that just going to be a running thing for us now? Well, we don't have... Uh, Incredible scientist adventurer Dr. Peter Corbeau, so I guess Boy Man's Aside is going to work. I feel like (laughs) NSYNC is a sad replacement for Dr. Corbeau. You know who's a sad replacement for Dr. Corbeau? Anyone! 98 98 Degrees is a sad replacement. Oh. (laughs) But yeah,
0: so today, as mentioned (laughs) in something that we may or may not have cut earlier, Boy boy man's Aside, (laughs) uh, we're going to be covering at least one more volume of Superman for the immediate future. Uh, two issues of Superman proper the rest is action
1: comics so we're getting through to June of 1940 we're going to have our feet firmly planted into the 1940s thankfully so this will be the last we do of, of Superman for a while and then we're going to hit Batman and then everybody's going to be caught up to Wonder Woman because she's ahead of the curve in a lot of ways and then we're going to start dealing with a lot of the all-star comics gang, some of the other guys who go into action or more fun comics or etc etc cetera. Et cetera. But More we wanna fun comics. Yeah, man. We wanna we wanna hit some of those guys like Johnny Thunder and The Spectre and all sorts of nonsense. So And and
0: I don't think we should actually read any of his stuff because it doesn't look like the original version of this character is all that interesting.
1: Slam Bradley. Slam Bradley <laughs> yes, we have, I yeah. have
0: a note at the end
1: for Slam Bradley. Slam Bradley's like, God, I love Slam Bradley. <laughs> it's the best name in the world. Alright. Alright. Action comics number twenty one, February nineteen forty. Uh, something to note here that is not very common, as we see with Superman comics, the first panel is plot-relevant, which is weird, but moving forward, this is really a story about Clark dealing, Clark specifically, then Superman, Clark hearing about a scientist who is making an earthquake machine? No, I think that's later on. I think this one is the, this is the Uranium Disintegrator Ray. This is the guy who makes the Uranium Disintegrator Ray, so it's like working with nuclear power and... It's obviously not a good thing because what, what does great power and weaponry always attract? Supervillains. And guess who's back? Back again. It's Ultra Humanite. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing I like that. I want to hear her diss track now. I really do. It's, and yes, the Ultra Humanite is still a woman. So it is now. And also, they refer to her Ultra as her. So Ultra is now. Specifically, her. they refer to Ultra as Ultra. Initially, Every, everyone... there is no
0: assumption that you know who this character is. Right,
1: all of Ultra's minions. You know, thinking back at this also, in, in the Purple Plague issue that we covered last episode, Ultra has a, a female assistant. Why didn't he take really? her body? It's in the visual aid you provided. There's a woman with Ultra. Huh. Why didn't he well, take her no. body? I
0: think, was what? the character especially young? or It
1: doesn't matter! No, alright, weird. Wait, why not her? Is <laughs> she not good enough for you, Ultra? You gotta you gotta go for movie stars. Anyway, I have a whole I have feelings about that.
0: When when you're aiming to conquer the world, you set your sights high.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe she, maybe Ultra's uh, partner was really smart. I don't know. We don't know much about her. Regardless, this uh, nuclear scientist who's making a disintegrator ray gets f- seduced basically by Ultra. Which you know, hey, more power to Ultra. That he can play up his her sex and kidnapped and tortured by ultra's torture ray which i love just looks like a big heat lamp i just love that ultra was able to come up with a torture ray off panel obviously and meanwhile clark is like hmm that guy got kidnapped wonder where he is (laughs) and never follows up and then like a week later he's like i wonder what happened to that guy and then something gets blown up after ultra delivers an ultimatum he destroys a building with his disintegrator ray but clark now superman Saves the day by catching all the debris. Hooray, hooray. This is actually the most Superman thing he's ever done, which is stopping debris from a falling building hit civilians. Yeah. That's like the most true, truly Superman thing we've ever really seen him do, which is impressive. There was the dam. But one way or another, this is up right. there in that echelon. So, having seen this plane, Superman jumps onto it, and we see, get another casual, sexy Superman pose. God damn it. And... He side saddle. I didn't even notice that. He side did. He side saddle rides this plane all the way back to Ultra's volcano lair that she's made in the time that she's been off panel, and her robot army. You heard yep. me right, folks. Robot army. We've yep. got the first really real Superman stuff going on here, which is a robot army disintegrator rays, buildings falling down. This is a Superman story for once.
0: To be fair, at this point, it's more of a robot squad because there's only two. Yeah, of them.
1: it's like slash. It was a uh, scratch and grounder
0: yeah it's
1: basically like Ultra turned into Robotnik it's got a robot city disintegrator rays
0: I'll be perfectly and completely honest here I would
1: love to see a Knuckles vs. Luther crossover I would love the hell out of that we, <laughs> you hear? You heard us DC do it Ultra of course threatens to kill the scientist and says "You okay get the crown jewels and I'll let him go which is a dumb trade but what are you gonna do and apparently the crown jewels are in Metropolis. What, what crown jewels? For what? There's a lot. Actually, actually, well, actually,
0: Oh uh, at this point in time, I think that the Hungarian crown jewels, I think Hungarian, uh, my, uh, there was a place that had some of their crown jewels stored in the U.S. because they had been being shown at the New York World's Fair, and then World War II broke out, and they decided that it would... Just Better to have them there than in Soviet hands. Hey,
1: what are you going to do? There you go. Learn something new, everybody. So, of course, Superman goes back to Metropolis to steal the crown of jewels. And it's just a sequence of him dealing with the National Guard and the police and Yay. this guy with a hatchet. Like, I don't know where that guy came from. Because but... he is, after all, stealing. Yeah. But he gets these jewels and jumps back to Ultra's volcano lair and says, well, this is bull. Because, of course, Ultra double-crosses him with diamond-tipped drills. Go figure. Not a problem. Breaks out of it. Uh, beats up Ultra's guards. Takes the guy, the scientist back. Ultra, of course, flees. But Superman is not done. He destroys the volcano lair and every guard inside it. And I'm going to count that as a Gimli. That's one. <laughs> because, damn, son, there were other guards there. And you just straight up made that volcano blow up. By putting pressure on it, and he did. He blew up a volcano with people inside of it. So this is cool. a
0: high body
1: count volume. Oh boy, I have I have uh, I have a tally. It's pretty. It's in the double digits. Who? Yeah, it and is. That doesn't even surprise me. So, hooray! Uh, nuclear disintegrator rays are gone, and Superman gets away with murder. And the weird thing <laughs> there is that that's
0: actually the last time we'll see Ultra. This entire yeah, sequence. he gets an he gets
1: an upgrade uh, on bad guys. Yeah. Oddly enough. And, uh, also we have a little ad here, uh, Siegel is now writing The Spectre. So they have a little ad here at the bottom for The Spectre. Who is he? What is he? A startling new, really different feature written by Jerry Siegel, author of Superman, and drawn by Bernard Bailey. We move on to Action Comics, number 22, March 1940. Uh, we need to make an infographic of all the fake countries that are introduced in comics. Because I really like, I think we're at least at five. Yeah, we're at Tehran and Galonia here, which mm-hmm. are the two specifically named. But I think Galonia is part of a larger country that they ref- mm-hmm. they continue to reference. Because there's a third place they keep going, like just In- like a whatever person. I I made a note of this, so mm-hmm. I wanted I, right. I'll bring it up. But it's we'll see. really uncomfortable. Also, we get a really weird Corrie Town flashback. Yeah, I don't know why that's there. Yeah, it's it's not relevant at all. But Clark and Lois are sent to be foreign war correspondents in this country where there is civil, not really civil war, but it, war, war has broken out.
0: It's a Germany and Poland slash France analog. Right.
1: And uh, Clark has a habit of uh, saving starlets on unexpectedly, and he saves this actress on the boat by throwing a peg at this dude who is on the rigging trying to shoot her and I'm like that dude is dead yeah because... they don't go
0: back for him yeah so that's there is another... no attempt to rescue the man so that's course. body
1: count two for Superman and uh, that's it like, uh, he kills that guy they land in the new country and of course this woman is like of course I will give you a, you know a whole interview when I see you and then when he sees her out there she's like no don't want to talk to you so Superman has a habit of saving Starlet's lives who invite him for interviews and then snub him well, to be fair, it's Clark. True, but at the same time he did he's acting less Clark around them he than he does he Lois. So I'm like, that's weird. Like you mm. don't also don't know him, and all he did was save your life, so I imagined you would want to talk to him. But digression. Eventually he goes with Lois to this woman's mansion party thing that they get invited to, and he finds out that she's just trying to pump him for information about whether or not the democratic nations are okay with this war. And of course, They're not. So she's done with him and she wants to go to another person so Clark realizes that she is a spy. And while they're at this party, bombers come and try to bomb the party because I guess there's a lot of party officials at this place. Lots of panels of of Superman now fighting this single plane. And in ways that
0: we'll never get... The stories will never get tired of showing us things like him shoving his hand into a propeller and the propeller breaking around it. There are an awful lot of shots where it's... It's almost expected that we'll never get tired of, Oh, he's so cool! And
1: I'll be honest, by this point, I'm tired of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sick of these extraneous, oh my god, isn't Superman amazing panels. And of course he kills the pilot, so that's body count three. And Superman then decides that he's going to, you know, prove that this woman is a spy and get her superior. It does so. And uh, learns that they are going to shoot a torpedo. Oh, I can't
0: unsee the sexy poses anymore. Yeah,
1: right? Yes. Casual sexy Superman right there, too. Uh, Yep. And Superman prevents the... It looks like... uh, I I forget what country this woman belongs to, but... Her nation's sub from sinking a neutral... I think she's Torian. She's Torian? Torian, yeah. Her nation's sub from sinking Turanian? a ritual liner. Yeah, Tor- Turanian.
0: Well, because Toran is the name of the country, would it be Turanian? or maybe. I think it'd be Tiranian? Yeah. Toranite?
1: Tor- maybe possibly. Mm-hmm. Defectivites? <laughs> but Gum shoes. yeah, he stops this torpedo, averts more in you know intervention by another country, and then finds her boss and brings him to some dude. Who I guess gets mad at him? Presumably t- one of the higher ups in the Torian hierarchy. It's really strange. Like it's he doesn't stop the war. He almost makes it worse. Because you imagine now they're retaliating to this sort of treachery.
0: Well, I I thought that was internal. I, my read of it was that he took this rogue element right. of the Torian Navy, brought him to uh, like the Torian
1: commander in chief said, "Hey, this guy was breaking the laws of war. Oh, we're very displeased about this." Right, and I will also say another Gimli count because he blows up the submarine. Yeah, that's so, a
0: good hundred people. Yeah,
1: so he's at body count four here. And Clark doesn't stop the war Superman. It's kind of a, whoa, okay, well, you just going to let that happen. That was part one, so. Right, now we get to part two where Lois and Clark are still, of course, in this country uh, at war and they're dealing with surviving in this war-torn area. Uh, immediately we get body count of Superman uh, backhands an artillery shell back at the emplacement killing the people who were there. So that's cool, I guess. We're just not going to talk about that.
0: Also, I'm not even sure. Are those designed to detonate on impact? Or are most artillery shells at this point uh, timed
1: fuses? I think they're detonated on impact. But more to the point, here is uh, Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. They say Bulgarian tactics. So Mm -hmm. are they in Bulgaria? My understanding
0: is Bulgaria is a neutral third-party country.
1: Okay, let's... That happens
0: to be German-speaking, because you notice that right there is definitively Platz.
1: Right. So you've got three fake countries in this storyline. So This is very much Eastern Europe right right. now. So Superman then goes to try and take pictures of these people who are going to discuss peace in in the region. Of course, the people are killed on their way. Superman must now find out who did it so that he can try and prove the innocence of the other sides and they can get back to the business of peace. And um, he finds uh, the great and powerful Oz. (laughs) No, (laughs) no,
0: no, no. Remember how earlier I said that I was going to draw a comparison on air because I wanted to hear your reaction to this? Okay, yeah, go for it. Zardoz. Wow. Wow. And you want to know the best part? So, we know. Go ahead, explain. But the listeners don't yet know, this is actually the first introduction
1: of Luther. Specifically Luther, not Lex Luthor. It, they just call him Luther. That's true,
0: yes. I thought you were implying there were two different Luther's I well there were uh, thousands
1: according to the multiverse. So eh, that's true. This one's got uh, hair. Also true, but red hair.
0: So that early version. Mm-hmm. Uh, but talking through a grey slate with a face, and all I could hear is I'm looking at this and understanding and making the reference and the comparison back to Zardo's, the gun is good, the Kryptonian is evil. <laughs>
1: But yes, this is the first introduction to Luthor that we have, and it is a giant face in a wall speaking to this army official, and of course Superman has to confront the army official, and the wall feature with the face on it shoots green rays at Superman, which of course is probably the first hint of kryptonite we're ever going to get, because... I guess, yeah. Well, as they continue to be used throughout Luthor interactions, they are stated to make him weaker. They don't actually actually make him weak, but uh, this is probably the start of we need to do do something to make him weak or to have problems with him. Regardless, again, Superman then gets into a giant fight with a bunch of planes and kills, I want to say, four guys? i am willing to believe that. Four planes at least, so that gets the body count up to nine. Lois is then captured uh, because, of course, why not? And, uh, oh, Lois is captured because... She's one of the two reporters that went to see the guy that got attacked, who is an agent of Luthor. So they take her, and they bring her to a giant Zeppelin city in the sky. What? What? Yeah. What? And why is Luthor dressed like Ming the Merciless? And it's entirely
0: unclear just how high
1: up it is. Like, no, you know, he's dressed like he's dressed like a cardinal. Yeah. No, what absolutely. the hell is that? With a giant Nazi bird behind him. Ooh. I didn't actually notice that. What even is any of this aesthetic? Alright, cool. Superman then, of course, has to go save Lois in this giant blimp city from facing Mountain Luthor, who has red hair. And yeah, he uses these green rays that mildly weaken Superman, but clearly not enough because he still busts out of his constraints and kicks the crap out of everybody. Crashes the blimp, which is again another body count, so we were up to ten with Superman. And also, I want to point out that this is also the first reference of the Daily Planet. Really? Yes. There, the, it within the editorial before. office of I, the I, Daily Planet. That hadn't already come up? Nope. Alright, Because enough. in Superman, the spring edition, so Superman number four, they bring it up a lot. So this is before Superman number four. Again, all right, tiny yeah, things that they yeah. like to throw in before the big issues. I don't know why they do
0: that. <laughs> fair enough. The, one of the things that I find interesting is that they can't really decide... Either they can't decide which of the countries is the German analog, or there was a mix-up in the art, because right. there was a point where the uh, the galleons... Gallons? Ga- Galonians, mm-hmm. uh The Galonian general is the one that they were interviewing, had an iron cross. Right. Whereas the... Uh, Torrens. Torrens Taurin, are wearing Feldgrau and are... The militarized nation invading the lesser nation. Correct. So it's a little bit odd there, but I mean... It's Teutonic. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a very Teutonic look. And Gallian. that sounds very much like Gallia, Gaul. It it very much feels like, even though this is before uh, the Battle of France, it feels like Gallia is meant to stand in for... Poland and France simultaneously. Right. But they
1: can't decide which group gets Iron Crosses, so history. Correct. So, Superman number four, the spring edition of 1940. Superman uh, finds out about a invention that causes earthquakes, which, of course, Luther wants every single piece of that. And he begins, beca- body count one, he blows up a plane with its own bomb. Just can't go, like, three pages without him killing somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't ever, ever again want to hear somebody say Superman doesn't kill people. I well, don't
0: ever... I, I, I would argue that the core, the essential nature of Superman has changed
1: so much that you can't call this Superman anymore. This is a version of Superman. If you can't call this Superman, you can't call the Dark Knight Returns version Superman either. Yeah. And I, cause that's really what it comes down to me is I don't think that's Superman cause I don't think Superman would no, ever I, do what I, that I Superman agree with does. that statement. That, okay. That's not Superman. Well then that, yeah, then I will agree with you. Also a lot of, uh, gyro planes and yeah. things that Luther has. Cause
0: they've been, they're intentionally making all of Luther's stuff weird. Like weird the planes
1: look different. Weird and semi-futuristic. Not like far future, but like. Retro future. Ret- yeah. Retro future advanced. With that just kind of, this is weird to look weird. Right. So Superman of course trails this gyrocopter thing that goes to have that goes with the invention to Luther. He destroys that too. So that's another body count. Well, Luther destroys it. Oh, that's right. Luther destroys it. So no, that is not on Superman. Then we get another But power. he does destroy it so that Superman doesn't tail it. Right. We get another green powerful Laws moment where Luther is pretending to be Grandmother Willow and yeah. uh, he's telling oh, good reference. Oh, yeah, right. Let's pull that one out. <laughs> Uh, he challenges Superman to a super off, essentially, which is just a distraction.
0: To... It's a mini Olympics,
1: though. Like, yeah. let's not gloss over just how much
0: how much space is devoted to science. You know what it is? God, what's the? Uh, is
1: it John, Henry, John is Henry? Is the story? Yeah, yeah, it's John Henry. It's basically Superman beating machines, except these machines have people in them, and he lets those two guys die in space. Yep. There's one. Also, s- I
0: don't know how a plane got that high. Right.
1: That it is not we ran out of
0: air. It's we got away from the Earth's strong gravitational force. It's it's,
1: it's a Luther plane. It can do a lot. If it mm. can run almost as, it can fly almost as fast as Superman. I imagine it can do a lot more. I'll leave it. So yeah, there's a situation where they're like, let's see how high both of us can get into the altitude. And Superman, of course, jumps higher than these men, and they don't come back down because they can't stop themselves from flying into space. Okay, those two men are dead. Superman could have saved them. That's another. I count those two people individually because there's two of them. but we're just more, more dead folks. Um, that's oh man and I I still can't unsee. Yeah. You still can't unsee. Uh, just unsee the casual, graceful flop. casual sexy Superman all over the place in this. We're gonna have to <laughs> show some pictures of the, the fetish art side by side with mm-hmm. some of these just to be like, yeah, yeah, this is yeah. the thing.
0: And I'd actually be really curious to see how that kind of art works. As fetish art instead of being slightly out of tone poses. Spoiler alert.
1: Not very well. Yeah. Having actually looked at the book. Mm, mm, That's unfortunate. Questionable fetish choices, maybe not questionable art. So eh, again huh, Whatever what, what was the term you used? <laughs> no, no I don't wanna whatever. Got, I don't wanna yuck your gum. Don't whatever boats your float. That works too. Whatever boats your float. Regardless this is all just a ploy for superman to be distracted so that luther can steal the machine while he's gone because he's a genius i guess and superman... <laughs> to be fair it doesn't take a genius to manipulate superman true he's not that bright so superman of course finds out about this and goes to luther's now mountain canyon base and destroys the machine and gets rid of it and wins and of course the guy who creates the machine kills himself the, we'll see We're going to see a lot of people try and kill themselves or kill themselves after creating something that they deem too terrible for humanity to have. Or just general people thinking they're beyond redemption. Right. And Superman just kind of either, like, he's either he's on the scene or he just kind of moves on with it. Right. Uh, this next story within the issue is Clark and Lois investigating oil problems. Like, there's a lot of oil fields that aren't producing... Uh, product and of Oh course, my,
0: what dastardly individual could possibly be behind that? Right. Could it be
1: the ultra-humanite who is built up as the main villain for the past year? Or, which old white guy is it? Bald one who is now a woman? Or red-headed man who dresses like a, a cardinal or a bishop with Nazi hints? These are the weirdest supervillains ever. I know. I, I, I long I long for the days of Wonder Woman when they were just mildly... <laughs> just, Nazis! Yeah, Nazis! Uh, of course, uh, Luther's behind it, and Superman has to stop him. This is messed up. Clark kills two more dudes by jumping out of the car with them, and also does a Vulcan nerf pinch to Lois. Yeah,
0: he does a lot of Vulcan nerf pinches just in general. This is the only time it's leveled against Lois, though, so that she doesn't notice, by the way, I'm actually a superhero. Right, he likes
1: to knock her out when she could possibly learn a secret. We're gonna let that hang there for a second. Uh, Superman and Lois then decide that they have to go find Luther and uh, they charter a plane to the middle of the ocean because (laughs) apparently some goings-on are happening in the west coast and they fly to the west coast and they see some disturbances out in the water and they go there and um, there's a, a city in the ocean that has dinosaurs And S's. All of these things
0: are 100%
1: factual according to the text. Yeah, we're looking at rodents of unusual size here. And kind of... Do we count this rodent of unusual size as a a body count? Because it was attacking Lois. Give it a squeak, not a ding. Right. But, yeah. So there's a rodent of unusual size that Superman flings into the ocean and kills. That's unfortunate. Then again, it's... also trying to kill Lois, so what are you going to do? But he tracks down... Also, Lois is in a coma, like a waking coma. It it seems to be a highly advanced
0: case of shock. Yeah, I would. Imagine but they refer would, to
1: it as a coma, which is stupid. Yeah. And then um, Luther decides that he's gonna have his genetically designed dinosaurs from the sunken continent Pacifico. That <sighs> there's so much here that we
0: will never uh, revisit. <laughs>
1: He has Superman going to be killed in a... No, he has Lois going to be thrown into a vat of chemicals. And Superman saves him, but also throws one of the guys in the chemicals. That's another body cam. And then they fight a kangaroo-sized T-Rex... You thought I was kidding about no, that?
0: No, I, I did not actually put it together until just now that yeah, the size is in fact, and it's got a like slightly larger. Kangaroo. It's got like
1: ripped arms and yeah. crap too, and he just beats the ever-loving tar out of this poor T Rex, this poor mini T Rex, and then also busts. So here's the thing: the U.S. Army sees this city and decides to bomb it because what the hell? Which is technically, a, well, actually not technically a war crime, not if but it, not yeah. if there's anybody in the city. Let's put it that way. Mm. So they drop lethal gas on the city, which is starting to kill the people inside of it. However, then Luthor puts the glass up and starts to sink the city. Superman's like, F that, and punches a hole in the glass shield and then drowns all those people. And ruins the city. He is the worst archaeologist. Right, and all those dinosaurs, so I'm going to count that also as a Gimli. So Superman's at 15. I didn't even think about the dinosaurs. He's at 15 right now. Yeah, and we're not even.
0: And, and you skipped over the best dinosaur of all, the pterosaur.
1: There was a pterosaur. It wasn't. Wearing, and it looked fucking weird. It all of these wearing jean weird. shorts, though, so it, it wasn't Sauron.
0: Yeah, it's actually highly <laughs> interesting seeing how dinosaurs were represented, or how people thought they looked back in the day versus now. Like you think of a, a pterosaur, you have a very clear image of a pterosaur or a pterodactyl in your head right now. It didn't quite look like that. It didn't have, like, the swept-back head. Right. At least not exactly. quite as well, well. not
1: like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the final story in this issue is Superman prevents a guy who is pr- trying to prevent American prosperity. It's a weird motive. But uh, in, in doing so, he lets a thug die off of a small cliff. And yeah. then count that as a body count. Yeah. And also kills this dude who is behind the issue. Um, by, if I remember correctly, um, yeah, straight up touching him as he is like trying to electrocute Superman and using the current that's running through his body by just touching the dude and electrocuting him mm-hmm. and done. Uh, America's saved. That's actually not the last story here. We also have, um, Superman foils a, a truck racketeering thing more and,
0: people trying to prevent america's prosperity right and, which actually is an interesting theme coming out of the great depression right with the war years about to really because get it is going 19, it
1: is 1940 we are just coming out of it fdr's new deal stuff is starting to really take effect after so many years of you know black friday or black october uh, i want to say black tuesday Black tuesday was which is when the stock market crashed yeah and that would have been 29 yes so we're, we're very heavily in the Great Depression at this point coming mm-hmm. out of it, which is why we are so reluctant to join the war effort, because we're just trying to take care of ourselves and also isolationism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: There are a lot of causes for American isolationism. Right.
1: It's worth noting that
0: the war feeding the arsenal of democracy was extremely profitable
1: for America. Also treaties and things that mm. we couldn't act on until later. But... There's a lot to... There's a lot to unpack from America's politics during the uh, 1930s Correct. and 40s. Uh, Action Comics number 24, uh, May 1940. Uh, Superman destroys gambling. Yeah, in Metropolis. It's kind of cut and dry at that point. I mean, he destroys a bunch of slot machines. There's a guy who's like got kids doing slot machines, right? Or is this a different? Uh, this might be. A, this is a different one. No, no, it might oh, actually no, no, be all the same. No, this is a different Keep going, one. keep going. No, no, this is a different one, because this is the son who's gambling, mm-hmm. and the, uh, who is the son of the wealthy guy who's like, prevent my son from gambling, and that's a different thing, It's it's, but there is another gambling.
0: There's a whole lot of anti-vice stuff in this right. episode.
1: Which is odd, but also good. And I did intentionally mean episode, because I mean all of the stories we're going to cover. Correct. And also, he doesn't kill anyone in this, and he prevents the guy from committing suicide. So... Good, well big. done, Clark. Big ups. Well for, done. Yeah, big ups for Superman at this. Twenty pages of no murder, right? And it's there's a weird like, w- and none of it's really been murdered by no, Clark, just mostly it's been defensive at most, fighting, but also yeah. unnecessary, unnecessary body count at most, probably manslaughter. There's also a weird a, lot, a weird amount of courtroom drama in that in that issue. That's right. So there's for those of you who are curious as to what goes on in the legal system while Superman isn't around. Action Comics number twenty-five, June nineteen forty. Superman foils Mendini. So, Mendini's a hypnotist who has been hypnotizing all these people into forgetting who they are so that he can commit crimes and steal from them. Of course, Lois Lane, oh hi, Lois, uh, has decided that she you wants... You really do have a thing for the room. Of course I do. That movie's amazing. Um, it's not in, like, a good cinema <laughs> way, but in a way that every time I watch it, I feel better about everything that I've ever created. The room is a Transformers gr- 4. Yeah. The room is a great litmus test for feeling good about what you do by seeing something that's actually really poorly created. I'm going like, you know what? At least I've made something that isn't as bad as this. Or isn't as out of touch as this thing is. Can't argue with that. And that's what I love about the room. But also I find it funny because of that. Because I'm just sitting there going like, how was this allowed? How did anyone not raise any problems or questions? But... This is, uh... Mendini is hypnotizing all these people and of course when Lois Lane comes to try and learn the true identity of Superman from this charlatan uh, she is hypnotized by him into wanting to commit crimes and of course Clark who is like you're gonna learn the true identity of Superman? This I gotta see. So he dresses up like Superman and watches Lois uh, get bamboozled by this guy who legitimately does hypnotize people but doesn't like do what they want, essentially. He's scamming people with his hypnotist abilities. This is actually worth noting, however, that Superman gets hypnotized by the guy and is actually affected by it, so much so that he actually has trouble controlling his own abilities and his own strength. This is the Mm -hmm. first time you've ever seen Superman legitimately having problems and struggling and for more than a few panels
0: like you can argue it's that pages, maybe there were
1: a few panels
0: with one of the ultra humanites.
1: is at least three or four pages like the only thing the ultra humanite has ever done is knock superman out yeah and that's it this guy's legit put him out of commission for long enough that he can actually enact a scheme mm-hmm. and get away with it so i just found that really interesting also i'm gonna say maybe mendini's magic Because magic is the only thing that really affects Superman. It would not
0: surprise me if it wound up being retconned in that way. However,
1: this character never reappears.
0: Right. Which is
1: hilarious because of how the story ends. Right. He never reappears, but also Superman kills two more people by throwing a plane at them. Mm -hmm. So that's 18 we're at now.
0: And just, there's nothing for, despite the fact that he is one of the biggest threats, kind of. That Superman's ever faced. He gets away. He he gets away. There's nothing shown. He just, he's gone. We never
1: get back to the idea that Mandini actually escapes. No one actually Mm -hmm. wants to talk about that. They're just like, they foil his plan, but then also at the same time, he gets
0: away. One of the wiki pages that I was looking at was like, maybe he was off screen alongside the henchman who Superman threw a plane at. Quick note. So they talk about going to a gold repository in Kentucky where they're gonna steal, or they are stealing a shipment en route. So obviously Fort Knox. I did I did a little bit of quick uh, look up on Fort Knox, and I was actually surprised by some of the things that I learned. For instance, apparently Fort Knox is estimated to have 2.3 percent of all the gold that has ever been refined by humans. Since the beginning of time. It also turns out that there are 4.582 metric tons of gold
1: there. Holy cow. Yeah. Superman could lift that. Probably. <laughs> Alright, yeah, I'll, I've I'll give you that. have heard the term Quintilian tossed around with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Fort Knox. A lot of stuff in Kentucky. So, we get to Superman, number five, the summer issue. Um, this is the gambling machine one that I was referencing mm-hmm. before. It is... Superman stopping basically a guy who's producing slot machines and giving them out to like children and, and other businesses, like forcing people to put them in their business and he destroys it. So here's something that I really got to point out here, that there's a moment here when Superman, specifically Clark, saves a small kid and pushes the kid out of the way and pushes him under a truck that they're going to get run over by. And Lois is like, oh my god, Clark, you saved it. you saved him, that was so heroic, and he purposely faints to seem meek. That is the Clark that I'm familiar with. Yeah. Is someone who is never going to ignore a dangerous situation and always save the person, but also make himself look really terrible in the aftermath because it's like, God, that must have been a one-time thing. And um, then she ruins herself here by then making Clark go with her to the gambling boss and confronting him and threatening him And then turning to Clark and saying, why aren't you doing anything? None of these characters are well written. No, because I'm pissed off because Lois clearly knows Clark is a wimp, but she's brought him along for reasons. Every time she refers to Clark, she refers to him as not a he-man, not a strong man, not a good, not a man, quote unquote, not a 1940s man. And she continually drags him into situations that you know Clark isn't going to be helpful in. Why do you keep doing this? Honestly, and I just him. keep coming back
0: to this is shitty writing, people who don't <sighs> know how to write a relationship, and just keep trying to shoehorn those two characters into the same situation. So what
1: I find interesting is that they then tell her, okay, look, we want you to write a, a fake exposé claiming that your editor is involved with us. And she does it purely because they threaten Clark's life. And she feels bad by saying, I won't permit Clark to suffer because of me. After all, I involved him against his will. I'll sign. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like you clearly know that what you did was a bad thing. Why were you getting mad at him? Like you're, the, ugh, I just, I can't with Lois right now. I can't, I can't, I can't. Also, Superman doesn't kill anybody in this episode. No, well, he does I destroy this. shit out of a lot episode, of slot It's an episode, not issue. But yeah, he destroys a lot of, a lot of slot machines. Also, I will say again, the difference between this one and the previous one was the guy just owed a lot of money to a, a mob boss who. Was threatening him and his family. That was really the, the thing, and Superman had to clear his name and work against the mom bosses and get them to confess. And that was really what that was. And the, this is more of just a against vice crap. It's again, mm-hmm. these aren't really that important. That's why we're moving so quickly through them. We're stopping on the important ones because they have like Luther in them or yeah. something like that.
0: Nothing has changed since the last Superman episode. Really, it hasn't.
1: What I will. What say... has changed though? Mm-hmm.
0: Segway. Uh slot machines have
1: changed a lot. Yes, they have cuz they are really weird looking in this and then there's also so much that they talk about that I doesn't happen now. So, so what's interesting is that uh while digging it up first
0: off, you know the uh Liberty Bell slot machine that's on Market Street? I believe so, yes. Uh so San Francisco, uh that's true that you never actually would have a reason to go Probably to North the Market, would you? Yeah. No. Uh there's a little like little mini monument uh saying like super old slot machine blah blah. blah. Uh, liberty bell slot machines were a brand that was uh invented by a san franciscan they were the first that were able to do automatic payouts which is interesting because before then most of them were even one of two things like er, go far enough back and slot machines were spin it and see what poker hand you got And then you got prizes at, like, the bar that you were at. Hey, cigar or beer, whatever. Free drink or Mm. maybe some credit or what have you. What's interesting is this, uh, and most relevant to this story, is that they were also put into, like, drugstores for, hey, spin it and maybe you win a pack of gum. And the fruits... That you see on slot machines oh, are what flavor? That's cool. And the bar that you see, like, the with the black lines above and below and bar and all thick three black letters. Three bars and uh, two bars. Are coming from one of the old logos of the company that
1: made a lot of those uh, gum types. That's interesting. That's honestly something I was always curious about and I just was too lazy to research. But thank you. That's cool. No, yeah. That's really interesting. That That's what that is. Huh. Wikipedia is a wonderful thing. Neat. So, uh, the next story in this issue is a guy tries to buy the Daily Planet, uh, he's a crooked politician, essentially, he's trying to use it as a, uh, propaganda machine for himself. I do want to point out the two writers for the, uh, the articles that he has. Peter Fibb and I Am Lion. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So, this guy basically is just using papers to, you know, uh, defame his, his opponents and get more pull in politics and... He Wants the Daily Planet and, of course, and advocate he, for gang leaders, right? It's he's not a good dude, he's he's chilling out, uh, and he's crooked. And he wants the Daily Planet, and Taylor, the editor for the Daily Planet, and he also the publisher for the Daily Planet, say no. Mm-hmm. And they begin, it's kind of a weird, like, um, like. Strike breaking and racketeer thing that happens right here, where these guys are basically de- trying to destroy Daily Planet trucks and shipments and attacking Daily Planet employees and newspapers, running over little kids. Right? It's really, it's really crazy, and Superman has to get involved and he stops this racket from occurring. By also, um, there's a lot of really, I will point this out, a lot of really creative ways that they have Superman stopping people without killing them. Um, and I will say that he also does save, if not in this issue, then in another one where he goes back to save some criminals uh, from dying
0: i know what you're referring to i think it might be a different issue i think I'm it was back sure. it was
1: back with the racketeer boss who Maybe. was fra- who was trying to uh, lean on the the sun yeah, um, before th- th- right. it was device issue before the two You guys have were. no
0: worth, but I can't let you die. Right, you hu- like you're
1: human beings and I won't let you yeah, die. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really interesting that they have him start to do a shift where he's not trying to kill people as much. Yeah. Uh, he's, I he's don't going, know if we can call it part of a trend, but it does at least happen. Um, but yeah, he is trying to not kill people as much and we I don't know if it's somebody said stop it, but maybe that's what goes on. Um, but it's interesting because he stops this from happening, and then also he gets the two guys who, two gangsters who are working with the crooked politician who he was going to let burn because he was thinking it might kill Superman as well, and they turn the guy in, and all's well that ends well with this politician dude. It's really strange. I will also say that there's a couple instances of of Clark specifically meeting police officers who he's on a first name basis with, which I think is really neat. He refers to a couple like one one is like Hank. I don't and remember. I'm not sure. Um which issue it is, but there is a situ- there's a couple instances of him meeting cops who he 's familiar with, and I was like that's kind of neat that Clark is getting more and more character and- person- and characterization for the people that he knows at-, at his job as a reporter um Luther is in this next story within the issue manipulating the stock market to make a certain group of people rich and everybody else poor Of course, Superman has having none of that, and these guys who are working with Luther have these weird busts of him that spray incense that make them susceptible to his will. Luther has really no theme as a villain. Yeah, you're right. He's Actually, that's an interesting thing. We really haven't seen themed villains
0: in any of these stories. Since yet. It's Batman. Just, yeah.
1: Um, because yeah. everybody else is just... Gen- like, in Wonder Woman, the Baroness was generic... Axis Power, mm-hmm. Sandman, they were all just criminals. Luther it's Luther and Ultra, it's super they're just scientists. Mad, they're just mad scientists. That's all they Yeah, they don't too. have, like, a, a shtick, like, all right, like, Calendar Man, who attacks only on, you know, yeah. specific holidays. Like, these guys are just, bleh, this, this is new and science So, he, of course, stops Luther, but Superman keeps trying to kill Luther, and it never works. Like, he keeps stating, um, very interestingly here, so Luther is alive and plotting the downfall and subjugation of present-day civilization. The world will never be safe until that fiend is destroyed. And somehow, I've got to accomplish it. Not behind bars, not apprehended, destroyed. Well, and he frequently does try to destroy Luther. He busts the glass city to drown yeah. him. Like He's trying to kill this dude a lot. He's not going out of his way to get him to surrender or be brought to justice. He's trying to kill Luther. He's the only one he's trying to kill. Ultra he's tried to catch. There's a couple times, like there's the one time he tries to zap Ultra with his own gun. Mm. But since then we haven't seen him try to kill Ultra. Right at the one story we had with Ultra as a woman in this volume compared to the one where Ultra gets away each time. We see Ultra get away. Mm. Every time with Luther we don't see Luther get away. We see everything blow up and then Luther shows up again. Luther is um, blowfelt from James Bond. Every time you think you kill him, he shows up again with a new cat and more scars. <laughs> Does he actually have to replace the cat? Probably, I would imagine. Unless uh. that's a really calm Persian that he's got on his lap <laughs> that just doesn't freak out at stuff like this. Also, new power. Post-traumatic stress Persian? Yeah, post-traumatic stress Persian. I like it. But uh, also, Superman has a new power in this story. He molds his face. Wait.
0: Oh, I thought... Studying you know, it's just Mosley's like teacher... No, 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 no. Oh, here, dude. here.
1: Let me read this... Studying Mosley's figure closely, Superman contorts his features so that they are identical to that of the leader of industry. And then back when he reveals who he is in the meeting with Luthor, Superman permits his features to return to their normal proportions. Oh god, you're right. New power! Take a drink. Yeah, new power for Superman. Take a drink. So that's, and of course Superman thwarts Luthor and... Uh, Luthor actually has gray hair in these two panels as opposed yeah, to his red yeah. hair which I thought was interesting and then you see, yeah, see he busts that plane up that Luthor's in and says the end of Luthor he's trying to kill God, this dude right so the final story of the Superman number 5 summer 1940 uh, volume Superman stops racketeers from using parabylene or parabylene it's some sort of it's an upper, I guess. Like it's it's kind of like you know, he's never explained what it is or what it does. It just heals people. Yeah, it's a stimulant or a healing something with healing properties. And uh, this criminal is trying to use it to coerce people. He's convinced the scientist who's creating it that he's helping people. Superman, of course, stops the scientist from killing himself because he's created such a monstrous invention. But yeah, he stops that. Like nothing really fantastic about that. No new powers. No Luthor. No kills. Is this the one
0: that ends with the uh, editor saying the first, like, characterful thing we've ever seen from him? Uh, no, no. No. Yeah, I get it wrong. There, there's one that actually... Oh, wait. That might have been... There's the one di- more story. There is one oh, more. Oh, God, the possessive look in your face right <laughs> there was disconcerting. There was <laughs> so much This is more. not my
1: story, apparently. <laughs> this is the New York World's Fair Comics 1940 issue. So the New York World's Fair issue two comic. This also has Sandman in it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to mention that in a bit. But on the cover, we have Superman, Batman, and Robin. This is a dumb story that's incredibly boring, Yeah. that has nothing of note in it, except for the art shift a quarter of the way in. Superman foils a jewel heist at the fair and safe Lois. Really really not happening. Oh god, that's the
0: exact same story from last time. It wasn't wasn't it a jewel heist
1: last time? Um, he was a criminal. I don't know if he was a jewel heister. I, I but there were there were multiple people there. I, that he, I, I feel like one the of last was, World's Fair was actually a world uh, a jewel heist. Well, there were jewel heisters there, but they never get as far as this guy does, who actually mm-hmm. has yeah, the jewel. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he also remember he builds that infant fetal yeah thing for that mm-hmm. guy, and no. and yeah it's whatever. But saves the dude from the parachute thing that doesn't open that. Yeah, so yeah, there is a little bit of that. But it's just really boring in comparison to the rest of the issues here. And it's strange... But yeah, there's this massive art shift where Lois just has so much detail in in her face. Yeah, and it becomes
0: a much deeper, richer level and of like, detail. God,
1: this panel right here is so full of emotion and and dynamism and Lois's features right there. A lot more depth. Yeah, her body, the lighting, seem the too. shadowing
0: is much better. I love this art. Much less flat. I
1: love this art. It's just so jarring to see it. It's a lot more like.
0: Noir or pulp, it's cal- much more of, pulp yeah. It's much more That's pulp. exactly what right work for. Um,
1: it would fit much more with the Sandman. Oh, yeah. Cool. So uh, I will make a note here um, at the beginning of the Superman Chronicles Volume 3 that we have here. It's a Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, all stories written by Siegel and illustrated by Schuster, and the Superman Studio, unless otherwise noted. So I'm assuming that the Superman Studio helped with the New York World's Fair issue. That's the end for us here. I just figured. We just blow through it to get into the 1940s. Again, really, this this issue has not provided too much except for a new power, a new villain, and a lot of death. Nothing's really changed except the stakes for Superman. They're a lot more global sometimes, or a lot more deadly. But he's less concerned with writing the world himself so much as stopping catastrophes. Yeah, we have the only comparable issues within this volume to original Superman, like the first volume we covered in those three episodes, are the two gambling ones: stopping the guy from having gambling debt and trying to free him from that, so that he can make he makes like a, an orphanage for or a, a, a boys' home, like a like a ref, reformatory school. Mm-hmm. That's like what he does with his money that he's gifted when his father dies, and then stopping the gambling racket. Those are two very, you know, Superman stopping drunk driving and Superman Mm -hmm. putting an end to this or that or the other thing. But the rest of these are him stopping natural catastrophes or stopping Luthor who's got like crazy weapons or an earthquake machine or crap like that. So this is almost more Superman than we've ever seen him be. Still not Superman Superman, but definitely much more a familiar Superman. Probably the Superman that you're most familiar with in the radio plays in the cartoons at the time.
0: I'm going to disagree with that because the angle that I'm going to take
1: is that is not more Superman. Those are more Superman stories. Fair. The character is not Superman. It is much like Batman was back in the day uh, when we did those episodes where it is Batman's story is just not really Batman. Yeah. Um, these are Superman stories, definite Superman stories. Robot armies and planes and Lois. Even if getting, that robot army is just two people, yeah, it's scratching ground here. And two you know. and, and two and, and Lois getting kidnapped a lot. Lois becoming more and more pivotal to stories. Kidnapping Lois, be, and Lois because of Clark, or mm-hmm. kidnapping Lois because of Superman. Also, I will make a note that um, the New York World's Fair issue two that we saw most recently was in the Sandman episode, where Sandman was helping Diane and her. Aunt or grandmother, oh, God, after they got in trouble, but yeah. that's that's this that's happening within that issue where Superman foils uh, the jewel heist with a different art. So at the same time, we just want to give you a grounding, like also that happened in this issue. So that's where those characters were. So the lady in the evening clothes was with the Sandman by this time in Adventure Comics. I'm done.
0: All right, so we've talked a little bit about where other characters are at this point. I want to really quickly just. Uh, apparently, people like some little bits of the information that I'm about to throw out. So we, I'm we've just heard gonna...
1: some uh, feedback from listeners, and we want to thank those people. Thank you for uh, giving us some, uh, giving us constructive criticism that we can really work with um, to formulate the podcast in a way that will give you the information that you all want to hear, some interesting information as well as um, engaging information. So I will, of course, continue having huge heaping helpings of plot, whereas Matt, of course. Uh, will excel at the historical uh, context for the comics.
0: So I wanted to really quickly go over where is the war at this point. Mm. I want to both go over the war and war in general. Okay. So at this point, by the end of this volume, we're at the end of, well, at some point in June 1940. By this point, France has fallen. Uh, June 22nd, France was split into Vichy, France in the south, and the northern portion, which is administered directly by the Germans, is it Vichy or Vichy? Uh, probably Vichy. Okay, yeah. Whatever. Let's yeah. Uh, uh, they don't count. Yeah, <laughs> they don't. They don't get to argue. And sorry for sorry to the actual town of Vichy, uh, but I'm sorry. That's all you're ever going to be known for. <laughs> the Battle of France lasted May 10th, unfortunately my birthday, mm-hmm. uh, through June 25th, or I guess 22nd. Uh, Belgium, the Netherlands, Norway, Finland. Well. Belgium, the Netherlands, and Norway are gone, all uh, German-occupied. Finland is partially gobbled up by uh, the Soviets. That'll come back to bite them. Uh, Especially because the Winter War has exposed just how poorly run they are. Mm. Which is going to really suck for them in a little while, because a whole lot of really good generals got purged by the Soviets. That's going to be a problem in July of 1941. The Battle of Britain is about to begin. Hmm. Hasn't quite yet begun. July is when it technically gets going. The British and the Italians are fighting in North Africa. Britain had control over Egypt, and Italy had control over Libya. The Soviets are not necessarily German allies at this point, but you could definitely be forgiven if you thought that they were, because they were divvying everything up between them and not fighting each other, despite years of effective promises that they would. The Soviets have already annexed most of the Baltic states, like Estonia. So by the end of June 1940, you have Japan slowly taking over China, albeit with some setbacks, Uh, Germany victorious on all important fronts, no real signs of a split between Germany and the aggressive Soviet Union, and Britain the only great power remaining on the Allied side, with the Germans staring across the channel at them. At this point that we have read up to. This isn't the absolute lowest point of the war, but it's pretty close. And you could make an argument for it technically being worse than what I think would be the actual lowest point of
1: the war for the Allies, which is October of 1941. Things are not good right now. Why don't you explain what that point in October is, for for those not as familiar as you (laughs) are.
0: So October 1941 is where i would put the lowest point for the allies because uh in i believe it's july of 41 uh somewhere made of july i don't remember which uh, operation barbarossa gets launched which is the invasion of russia or more specifically the soviet union by the germans and it's just a push in uh for those of you who know a little bit about the history you know how close the germans came to Moscow. Uh, October is right about when that push started to really slow. I think I think October may have been when the first snow actually fell, like super early. And that was sort of the sign of, oh, things either have to move quicker or it's not going to happen. By the time that the Germans have been stopped from reaching Moscow in that initial uh, six-month push... Uh, At that point, it's clear that the Soviet Union is going to be able to continue for at least a while. And then you get the U.S. brought into the war. And even though things were not very good for the U.S. right off the bat, obviously, at least the carriers weren't gone. Mm -hmm. Things went very horribly wrong for the Allies in the Pacific for the first six months or so. But by that point, you had the U.S. proper in the war. You had the USSR not about to be knocked out. And you had Britain still standing strong. And I think you might have also had LLMN by that point. I don't know for sure. Uh, so I would argue that you, the worst point to the war for the Allies was either at this point, when the Allies were just just Britain and some other parts of the world, or later on where it's people about to be knocked out, the U.S. not in quite yet, and the U.K. standing and trying to keep everything running. So, that's my take on that. Okay. Also, thing that I want to talk about... So, we've talked about the war a little bit. I want to really quickly go over war in general. One thing that we see in these stories, uh, and also earlier Superman stories, is the idea of war having an external cause. That humans wouldn't do this themselves. That someone's trying to sell munitions, or in the case of Luther... Manipulating nations into continuing the war so that they'll be worn down, and then he can swoop in and conquer everything. We've seen this thread twice in Superman stories. Uh, I think the first two stories even were the ones I mean, that first.
1: Fictional who yep. was advocating for either us to us to intervene in the war or us to not intervene in the war. The two fact, the fictitious countries that were warring at the time, and also for, keeping the war going by selling arms to both right. sides. Superman makes him fight in the war to show mm-hmm. him how how scary war is. That's 38, by the way. That's yeah. in 38, so that's two years, I want to say, bef- before we got involved, or a year in, at least.
0: Uh, that would have been, well, before we got involved, that would have been three years, at, a little bit over three years.
1: But so it, that was before U.S.'s involvement in World War II.
0: With that. Substantially. Uh, it strikes me that this idea of looking for an external cause is an attempt to view war's source as an external essentialism that if you can identify and remove a negative influence, then the war will immediately end. That's what we've seen a couple times. Uh, there's always a sword that can be excised, a person who can be pointed to, and the great mass of humanity is blameless. It's a very naive view, in my opinion, but it's somewhat logical in this period, as weird as it sounds. We're coming to the end of the imperial period in the world's history. While World War I was fought to defend Petit Belgique and to defend the fatherland, at the very top, There were actually secret treaties negotiating territorial control in the post-war world. France would get Alsace-Lorraine, Russia gets more access to Constantinople, Italy got part of southern Austria. There were a lot of, for some of the nations in World War II, their willingness to keep fighting and their willingness to join on a side was straight up
1: cheat negotiations. This is how we'll divide the war at the end, or the world at the end of it. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, World War Two would obviously be fought for very different reasons, at least for the Allies. But you can make an argument that, like they're positing in these Superman stories, World War One, which was the experience that they were drawing on, because remember, World War One is or World War Two is not something that people really have a, a retrospective twenty twenty view of yet. There's still that sense of well, the last war was fought on imperial reasons because of uh, that sense of something being pushed by the top without telling the people who are actually doing the fighting, it makes sense for them to view it through that lens. And it's fascinating to see that that's the contemporary view and the logic of it at the same time is, nobody, you're 20 years behind. This is not that
1: kind of war anymore. Right. Specifically, you would also see that in the ranks of the soldiers too because at the same time, a lot of the soldiers who were being brought in to train the soldiers in World War II were men who fought in World War I. So there was still a lot of the mentality of we've done this before. And the problem was there's no more trenches, there's tanks, there's planes, there's no more horses, there's the artillery is stronger, blitzkrieg is terrifying, snow is the worst, no one knows what they're <laughs> doing. Also, um, just no one will stop. No one will stop. No one will stop. Everyone dies. And war was just so much more visceral in World War Two than it was in World War One. There was scary, scary conflict in World War I. The gassing, the trenches, the, the all-or-nothing charges of the holding the line for so long. But World War II was just, everybody gets artillery shelled. You blitzkrieg and you bomb and cities are leveled. There was a lot more loss of life, I would think, in World War II than there was in World War One.
0: There was, but I don't think that was necessarily on a military side. I may be wrong about that, but I think that the difference in casualty count was civilian primarily. Really? Way more well, civilian I mean, casualties. I would imagine,
1: obviously, there was more civilians killed purely because like, the bombing of England and the bombing of Berlin and Stalingrad and Leningrad. The liquidation
0: of Russians, the liquidation of minority populations throughout right. Europe. Uh, Germans as well, Japan, the Japanese atrocities in China, right. a whole lot of shit. Uh, Firebombing uh, being more of a thing uh, right. that that strategic bombing as an actual uh, heavily industrialized portion, but I. I think you might be underestimating how much shell shock is part of the experience of World War One, specifically because no, not shell shock, no, but, not but shell shock. But with going back to the idea of artillery, the thing about World War One frontline experience is that there was no escape from it because they didn't. It was you're up front for two weeks at a time, maybe it something was. like that. Uh, so as compared to the World War Two battles, tended to be sharper. Generally, not always. Stalingrad was a shit show, right. uh, in some ways, uh, but it there was that sense of movement. You were not under constant pressure necessarily. It was more, some places were shittier. It or there was another, more tactical.
1: Almost. Yes,
0: much more mobile. Certainly, uh, one of the stats that really blew me away about World War One. I, I don't remember the exact number, but how many uh, members of the French army? Because of the rotations that were going on, okay, you go to the front, you come back for a little while, and then do some like rear guard, rear line stuff, then you go back to the front. How many people went through Verdun? Hmm. And it was an absolutely staggering percentage of the French army had experienced that shared French tragedy and been in that, really, that artillery duel that lasted for what nine months? I want to say. Yeah. So even though even though the ability of humans to put bombs on target was much better in World War II, I would argue that... There was more that, ability to escape it. Or, or if nothing release... else, it didn't last as long because it was short, sharp go, mm. by and large. Or it was used uh,
1: as a cover as opposed to an elimination tactic.
0: Well, it could be used as an elimination tactic. It's just that it was the combined arms was so strong and the offensive was so relatively strong that you have very effective uh, close air support, which is the... You remember the you remember the Stuka bombers? Right. Yeah, uh, exactly that. Just, okay, there's a tank convoy. Boom, boom, boom. And then either fly away and come back, or then comes the next round, uh, which follow up from tanks coming in, uh, infantry assault. And the professionalism may not have changed, but the tactics had evolved such that there was no reason to just do the long, slow pound of, like, weeks long... Uh, I wanna, I don't remember how long uh, the bomb, artillery bombardments were that started uh, some of the World War One battles. It was like three days or something like that. As compar- which, they didn't have the tactics then to know that realistically the best way to do it was creeping barrage or sudden unload of everything and then go while everybody is dazed. Um, oh, yeah. And those were the tactics that came into World War II, where it was bam, 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 go! As compared to the drumming. The incessant, hellish drumming. I actually highly recommend uh, Blueprint for Armageddon. Uh, also to listeners, uh, Dan Carlin does an excellent mm. series. Hardcore history. Exactly that. Uh, listen to his uh, Blueprint, Blueprint for Armageddon series. It's five parts. And it goes over World War One in an extremely great depth. And also, a lot of uh, the knowledge that I have of World War II, ha- especially on the Eastern Front, has been from his uh, "Ghosts of the Aust Front" series, which is no longer available for free, sadly. But it is well worth the ten dollars to buy from his site.
1: This is going to do us for Superman for a while. We're going to thank be... God. Yeah, we need a break. Um, <laughs> we need a break from Clark and Superman, and we have him in the forties. We have him. Where he, he's not 41, which is where, of course, Wonder Woman starts at, but we have him in the 40s knowing enough to know, okay, Superman had some power creep, Superman had a change in tone, not drastically, but less small-time, more supervillain. And he's also begun to deal with larger-scale problems that even Wonder Woman never dealt with. War is one thing. But having earthquake machines and plutonium rays and disintegration machines and all sorts of jazz and robot cities and dinosaur creatures, it's a little bit above the Axis plans. Specifically, inviting women to come to a spy school at college. So, Superman's evolved to a much more science fiction place. Wonder Woman is still born. Yeah, Yeah, he has actually flipped the genre switch into that. Right. Wonder Woman is still war-related, which I think fits her very well as a warrior princess. We're going to now go to Batman to see just what exactly is happening with him. So remember, we left Batman in 1940. The first issue of Batman is in 1940. So we're going to go back to another Batman volume and see what's going on with him, and maybe do one or two of his, and then move forward with some of the gentlemen who show up in the Justice Society of America. DC Detectives can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and our website, dcdetectivespodcast.com. Luther's deadly plans were foiled time and again by Superman as we witnessed the opening forays between the two budding arch enemies. Couple that with dinosaurs, earthquakes, and falling buildings, and I could start to hear some familiar theme music in my head. Baby steps were still steps, and even Clark was showing signs of progress after he saved that kid. I still wasn't happy, but as we left Metropolis, I was feeling something strange. I think people call it hope.